episode 11 for Roots and Branches at New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. This is Paul Arneberg with Pastor Brent Kumpelin. I noticed I, I said Kumpelin last time, so I'm sorry about that, Brent. Uh, we're here uh, after the bonus episode we just had about the Asbury College Revival. We are here for episode 11, and uh, I always like to refer, not always, but I often refer to numbers. 11 is fun for me because I was born on the 11th of the month on Mother's Day, actually, in May. And uh, this is, uh, we're glad by God's grace this podcast is continuing to plug along. Both Brent and I take about an afternoon a month and, and knock out a few episodes, and we're really hoping that these do touch your heart as we are fleshing out not only New Life specifically, our vision for Disabled by Doing, which we're going to get into more detail today, but also what the Lord would have you do daily, that every thought, every action, every uh, era of sanctification is going to be working out for your good and God's glory and your joy as well. And for that matter, others good. Brent. <laughs> well, speaking of the number 11, it yes. brings to my Hebrews 11 for me. If oh, you want to talk about number connections, love Hebrews uh, 11. walking by faith mm-hmm. is something that we are in the middle of doing. And we, we, of course, that's what we do is we follow Jesus as we, we walk by faith. But I feel, I feel that right now, um, you know, as we're going to talk about disciple by doing today, something that you and I have had some side conversations on is just how much, um, we are in the middle of of, of uh, discerning and adapting and moving forward with what God wants us to do as a church, but that means that we walk by faith. And what I love about Hebrews 11 mm. is they were not the first ones who've done that, that the generations of God's people have been living by faith ever since the beginning. It is always and always, it always has been and always will be about trusting God. Absolutely, yeah. I think the first person mentioned in Hebrews 11 is Abel, and he by faith offered the right sacrifice to the Lord, which I believe had to do with blood, because he gave an animal, and that's how, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. But all the way throughout there, there was no patriarch, no pillar of our faith in Hebrews 11 that didn't have struggle, didn't have doubt, but the key was faith to go forward knowing God would provide, God was the leader, God is in all and through all and for all, and so that is a wonderful way to remember episode 11, Hebrews 11, make that an anthem for your life to be in the hall of faith as it were. Yeah, absolutely, and so our theme today is to describe and define and illustrate a little bit of this term that we are going to be uh, using a lot in our church, and we've already started using it, but it is disciple by doing, disciple by doing. And, it, it, you, you know, you've, we're, we've been talking about uh, how are we going to be effective in ministry in the post-Christian world, living here in uh, a culture that in many ways is, is, is now a lot of ways against God or has, has values and, and is moving in a direction that... Uh, doesn't make it easy to to follow the Lord. Uh, we need to be creative and think about very deeply uh, what it means to be faithful as we live in this context. And one of the terms we're going to continue to use is disciple by doing. Now, as I say that term, Paul, mm-hmm. how does that first strike you? And what do you think of? Well, I, I think it was very biblical. In fact, if I may just say that uh, if you are a new life person, you've been around for a while, you know that we've been saying that the phrase learn by doing or learning by doing. Yep. And one thing, speaking as uh, part of the campaign leadership team, which is really getting behind this, uh, along with a vision planning team, which started it almost two years ago, uh, disciple by doing is decidedly more biblical. Now, some people might say, oh, that's too biblical. Well, we, we want to be too biblical. We want <laughs> to have everything that we do, biblical language, but the need 
neat thing about but disciple by doing, the other word in that phrase is doing. Yeah. We are going to do things that are maybe on the surface seemingly nothing to do with church or or holy things, as it were. We got the uh, we got Bible reading, prayer, fellowship. Well, Acts two forty two, breaking of bread and prayer. You know, we got the the foundations of Christianity, but all the rest of life is everything else we do in life. So disabled by doing could be gardening and cooking and mechanics and juggling and music and art and science, everything. And all of those things can and I believe should be used to become closer disciples of Jesus. And we are all disciples of Christ if you have received him by faith and been washed in his blood and redeemed from your sins because of him. Uh, And then we can take every activity and make it tools, not necessarily in a way that's unnatural, or in a way that's going to be trying to, uh, as I've said in my phrase, shoehorning, let's say, a Bible lesson into what we're doing. But on the other hand, if we're not consciously thinking, how can God be glorified by this relatively innocuous activity like disc golf or pickleball, then we are maybe wasting our time (laughs) doing those things because I does say in the book of Proverbs, uh, the fool follows worthless pursuits. But I believe if you do things that are even just just simple hobbies. They're actually not worthless pursuits. They are tools for reaching people for the gospel and sanctifying our own souls in Christ-likeness. Yes. And you know what, Paul, when I think of that, uh, like, let's just go into the word and scripture and and what the word that comes, the passage that comes to mind is Matthew chapter seven, the end of the sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. Jesus uses this description of a house built on a, a, a foundation of rock and he says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice yes. is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And there's something of this connection when we talk about discipleship between hearing the very truths of God proclaimed through God's word, through the preaching of God's word, through the, the meditation on God's word, hearing the words of Jesus and actually putting them into practice yes. is where the rubber meets the road. Yes, and the practice, we're going to talk about a little bit later about the, the tacit... Actually, no, the next episode, we're going to talk about tacit skills. Yeah. When we practice anything, we eventually absorb or almost become what we practice yeah. and also what we think about. And then the other parallel passage about doing... And by the way, I, I love that Matthew 7, uh, because it's the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and when Jesus says, if you do what I say... He's essentially referring to the entire Sermon on the Mount, which I've heard by Jonathan Pennington, a professor at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, said the Sermon on the Mount is the inaugural address of the whole New Testament, because it's the beginning of the Matthew of Gospel, the Gospel of Matthew, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And it also sets the tone for his authority, which they said, Who who gave him this authority? Yeah. He doesn't speak as the scribes. Uh, well, Jesus' half-brother James, who was a leader in the early church after Jesus rose from the dead, wrote in James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, and he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what it is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing that's james 1 through 25 esv and that whole idea of doing uh yes it is doing by loving others loving the lord with all our heart sign excuse me heart mind soul and strength but i believe it has to do with all the other actions snow blowing for the glory of god <laughs> and, uh, and and also helping your neighbor in need or or how about this even receiving help 
we who like to think we're self-sufficient often have a hard time accepting the actions of others because we're in need. But that act of receiving help is such a blessing because it shows us our our frailty before the Lord. And when someone, Jesus with skin on, comes and helps us out, their action is not only blessing them through obedience, it's blessing us through receiving it. And so there's that wonderful uh, mentality that doing the word is much larger than merely uh, living out the commandments. Uh, It's living out everyday life. Yeah. And so another way to describe this, because again, what we want to do right now is, is define this disciple by doing term and yes. another way to describe it that you're going to hear us talk about a lot too is whole life discipleship. Yes. Like following Jesus with every bit of who I am and every sphere of my life. And so I'm a whole person. Mm-hmm. I have a body and soul and I I have things that I love and activities that I enjoy and people I'm in relationship with and a vocation that I work at. There's all these things about who I am as a human made in God's image and every bit of who of of me every bit of uh, of what i do needs to be brought under the lordship of jesus because yes. i've been redeemed and saved by him through his blood I've been purchased to be a part of God's family so that I can live for his glory in everything that I do. Yes, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. I think that's 1 yes. first, first Corinthians 6. And so, boy, and another way we can say that in terms of the obedience factor, we're either slaves of sin or we're slaves of Christ. Now, I know that word slaves is not very popular in some translations, and some Christians don't even use that, but that's the reality. We are actually slaves to sin unless we are slaves to Christ. But of course, then he calls us his friend. He calls us his bride. He calls us his uh, cherished uh, everything. I mean, it's yeah, amazing. Co- co-heir. Co-heir with <laughs> right? Christ, yes. Yeah. And co-ruler on the new earth coming yes. up soon to an earth near you. So that, that's a holistic <laughs> way. Whole life discipleship. And also with the word whole, even though I'm not a math guy, I leave that to my dad and brothers, uh, the word integer is whole, like a whole number. 1.0 is an integer. Integrity is the root word is integer. Integrity. If you have integrity, you're a whole person, but that includes not compartmentalizing your deepest passions away from your Christian faith, but bringing it under the lordship of Christ in your Christian faith, and then becoming even more vibrant in your passions, in your interests, in your outreach, in your sanctification. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's a good, it's a good reminder for us to think about all of the unique uh, the unique passions and skills and relationships and context within which we live, that those can be leveraged for God's kingdom. I, I, you know, I know we've said this in a, a previous episodes where we're, we're just trying to continue to reiterate this idea of a whole life discipleship, because that's really what we're aiming for. And so um, maybe Paul, tell me about an example of the way that you've done disciple by doing in your life or in your in your ministry, I know you you've you've got a few quite a few illustrations. Yeah, that you could about get. thirty one years worth. And um, <laughs> I would say one phrase I love uh, is quantity of time, or uh, love is spelled T I M E. And so when I was called to youth work at age twenty three in nineteen ninety two, uh, on my resume I put, well, you know, I I can do theater and and I I've done some radio and I've done sports and I've done scouts and I've done church youth groups and I can juggle and blah, 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 blah. And I just, you know, gave a standard resume interests list. And my my uh, mentor, before I knew she'd be my mentor because she was interviewing me, she said, oh, you could teach the kids to juggle. We're talking fourth to sixth graders in 1992. And I said, <laughs> I don't have the patience to teach the kids to juggle. But uh, the, the miracle that has become Jughead's Youth Juggling Company, uh, that's going to be closing pretty soon here in uh, early summer of 2023. The miracle is that 
it took me two years yeah. to get the kids to learn to juggle. And then after that, I went from three kids in a summer camp in July of 94 to 10 kids in the fall of 94 to 22 kids in the spring of 95 where we had our first show. And then it grew a lot and we peaked at 140 kids a couple of different years. But the reason I bring up the whole story behind that, the quantity of time I had with these kids in a childcare setting with older school childcare summer and after school and release days from school, uh, the hobbies I shared, and I shared many more, like table tennis, that helped me to reach them through inactivity. It wasn't merely this, uh, at the time, only 23 years old, so I was barely double the age of the average uh, wise guy, as we called them in those years. Uh, but I got to share my whole life with them. And now what has developed through that is uh, not only a systematic way to become really good at juggling, but also by God's grace, I've developed a systematic way, or, or should I say, a more or less formal way to reach the kids through being very intentional as they've known me for several years. And they tell me about their confirmation, whether it's Lutheran or uh, even Catholic, because I'm a former Catholic, so I resonate a lot with that uh, faith origin. Uh, I can come alongside with credibility to say, okay, you know me as the juggling guy. You know me as someone who has uh, been in relationship with you, but now I'm going to put a fine point on it and say, follow the Christ. One of my girls, I remember years ago, her grandmother died. And uh, I, I wrote a card to her and I happened to say, uh, I, I wrote out um, John 11, 25, which I'm sure you're going to preach on soon here, Brent. I think Resurrection Sunday, you're going to pre preach yep. on John 11. And that Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Yes. He who believes in me will never die, but will live. And then uh, the, the young woman's name at the time was named Jill. She's still named Jill, but she was Jill. And she said, after she received my card, oh, they said that verse at my, mom, at my grandmother's funeral. And it was a Catholic funeral. So I thought, wow, great. I happened to bring up a, a Bible verse among all the Bible verses that could be used for bereavement. And the point is I had known her already for several years for me to, by the Holy Spirit, just bring up a, a Bible verse yeah. that cut through, again, the tradition, the religiosity. And I say that because when we take risks with existing relationships by bringing biblical truths to real life situations. Now, again, that's just talking about yeah. connecting above and beyond. I could go into about juggling itself, how yeah. that has built relationships yeah. as well. Yeah. And what you're bringing up is, a, is an important feature of Disciple by Doing, which is uh, the things we love and enjoy and the way that God's made us, um, they can be uh, avenues by which we build relationships with people, which is a bridge in order to help them to see the authentic life we live as a disciple and that we follow the Lord Jesus. And then uh, it, it creates opportunity for connection and open doors for the gospel and all kinds of things like that. So it has this evangelistic element. Um, another piece of it that that maybe I'll, I'll illustrate or talk about here for a moment is um, how Disciple by doing is also uh, a way of showing people, it's a way of illustrating and sparking their imagination about how this world is God's world. Like this is God's creation and he's made things with purpose, on purpose, designed and created things with such beauty and and just the glory of who he is. Like, Disciple by doing is, is using the things, uh, activities we enjoy or ways of, of illustrating God's beauty and his goodness and design and his truth so that people's people's imagination is sparked about a different reality and the reality is called the kingdom of God. Yes. And I think that so many people we encounter are living in this very flat, uh, kind of meaningless, lonely, anxious, uh, a world that says that you're, you're an accident and mm. there's really no grand purpose. Wow. And this, 
blue uh, ball we're floating on in the middle of an empty void is just kind of whirring, uh, whirling around in circles. And so what's the whole point? And, and, and hmm. disciple by doing is being able to invite people into genuine relationships founded in God's word, yes, cooperating with his design in the midst of a community, bringing to light those cultural idols and just showing people God is the, the truth of the gospel. It is true. It's beautiful and it's good and giving people a taste of that. It's like taste and see that the Lord is good and come along with me on that journey. Yes, and it's, it's uh, looking for opportunities, talking about being intentional. Uh, like when I when I speak with one of our octogenarians at yeah. church, I don't see them as someone that, oh, you know, they're they're toward the end of their days, based on Moses. Again, I often quote Psalm 90, about 70 years, 80 if we have the strength. I see this as a elderly saint made in God's image, but more importantly, breathed on by the Holy Spirit, regenerate by Christ's blood. Yeah. And yet uh, they are my brother and my sister, as are the little five-year-olds or 10-year-olds or 30-year-olds or 50-year-olds. So uh, we can see each other. It's not just a lack of despair when someone disciples by doing and understands that every activity is holy when it's put to the Lord, but it's also seeing people as not commodities to be used or stepping stones to be uh, to be looked over, but as precious image bearers and, and Christ followers that we get to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus with. And that's a neat adventure every day to look for opportunities yeah. to not only disciple by doing and to be sanctified by doing in our own hearts, but also to look to bless others by our everyday conversations, whether they're small, yes. little, hi, how are you during church? church services, or whether they're extended evenings together or road trips. Yep, absolutely. Well, you mentioned that because we just did a road trip yeah, together. We did, so yeah. <laughs> with, with fond memories, of course. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. Well, I, you know, maybe another way to to kind of close the conversation on this is, is just for all of you listeners here at our church, uh, we're going to be rolling out over the next number of months uh, pilot projects that help us to understand what Disciple by Doing is. And so we understand that... Uh, mentioning this term may still be foggy in your mind, mm -hmm. or it may be, hey, I don't even, like, I think I know what that means, but I want to experience and see what that is so that I can know what direction we're going as a church. The pilot projects that are being developed are going to utilize the 10-acre property that we have, and we got a number of projects coming up uh, through our, our team that we call the Back 40 team, which mm -hmm. is uh, our team that's working on land restoration and land use. They're going to be coming up with some pilot projects to do some outdoor activities this summer once things thaw out. Uh, there's going to be some other ones that are coming through our uh, our Roots and Branches campaign team. And, and, and we want to unfold these pilot projects also through our kids ministry that are going to help illustrate the disciple by doing. Because uh, it is about having great intentionality to take the truth of God's word the relationships of us as a community of believers, as we walk side by side and serve one another out of our out of our gifts, as we have an evangelistic outreach focus, because we know other people need to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to hear the gospel and repent and believe, that all of these things uh, can be done through very intentional, hands-on, immersive learning uh, activities that really take the gospel. It's like you take the show on the road. You you want it to go out into the community, invite people into those times of relationship, and use the very passions and skills that we have to show people that this is God's world and that we are his image bearers 
uh, and that every part of who we are is coming under his lordship. Yes. And if you don't mind, Brent, I, I have a couple of more pointed examples of what disciple by doing through juggling, if I may. Sure, yeah. So uh, Jennifer Minder serves on the missions committee here at church, and she recently asked me on behalf of her committee, tell me how you've reached uh, jugglers for Jesus. Yeah. And I said, well, that's a long answer. So I gave her a five-paragraph answer and three testimonies and, and four <laughs> video clips. But I just want to mention two names, Sam and Graham. Yeah. They happen to rhyme. Uh, they were almost the same era. They pretty much graduated a year apart. But Sam uh, overheard one of my coaches and me, one of my very strong Christian coaches, over, talking about something biblical, something Christianity. Yeah. And that got him curious. And so he began studying, okay, what is this? He was raised Catholic, and he, and he started to want to take Christian faith very seriously. And he ended up being baptized in a pool and, and is a very strong believer. And yeah. I got to disciple him a little bit through my boy's Bible study. But someone even more innocuous in terms of my direct influence. I mentioned earlier Jill when I wrote uh, John eleven twenty five in her, her grandmother's bereavement card yeah. when her grandmother died. And then Sam, who was part of my boy's Bible study. Another boy named Graham was raised in a home uh, I will say a broken home with uh, some level of alternative lifestyle involved. And yeah. even if they were to hear this, that's not speaking out of school, that's being respectful, and, and I love his family. Well, after nine years, yeah. his mother asked me, Paul, I know you take your Christian faith seriously. Okay, I'm not <laughs> sure what's coming because I've heard criticisms in the yeah. past. She said, Graham is exploring the Christian faith. Could you write him a letter talking about what Christianity is to you? Oh, wow. And I got to write in the letter, and I gave it to him in the context of Teens Encounter Christ, which is a youth retreat that happens up in the cities with yeah. several churches. Graham uh, received the letter through the tech retreat, received Christ. Yeah. I attended his baptism in Lake Harriet wow. and became a missionary to Morocco. Wow. Amazing. And, and that was also, he attended um, uh, University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, and I think he double majored in French and something else. And uh, we got to be on a support team for him to be a missionary. But the reason I'm mentioning this, uh, listeners, is because I did not set out with some grand scheme to have Graham as a project. Yeah. I'm going to reach Graham for the gospel. Well, of course, my heart was, I want everyone I ever meet to be saved, especially these children called jugheads who are under my authority, at least for one day a week, if not two or three, like Graham was. And so the neat thing was, yeah. I did not, uh, how do I say this? I, I can't, I wasn't very overt with Graham all those nine years. I just lived my life and I, I wrote some newsletters and I gave occasional announcements. I made some biblical lessons, it, it, but it was really about juggling. But then his mom, bless her heart, uh, her name is Lisa. She gave me permission to speak into Graham's life, and that was part of how the Lord used him to get to saving yeah. faith. And I say that, audience, because uh, we can act faithfully without using our words, but if called upon, according to First Peter 3.15, always give a reason for the hope that is in you, that with love and re reverence, I believe it says. Yep. Uh, and so Graham and Sam are wonderful examples how I was sort of almost blindsided by the opportunity, which I wasn't looking for. I was just living out the way I've always tried to live as a youth worker in a secular setting through something as uh, seemingly innocuous yeah. as juggling. Yeah. And what strikes me about that story is the relational trust that was built. Yes. The common activity upon which it was sort of like the context within which the relational trust was developed was something fun, like yes. juggling. Yes. And and because of that activity and because of the trust that was developed, uh, then God used that. Uh, that's the avenue, the pathway by which God brought the truth to him yes. as you were faithful to, to declare it. And it reminds me of other passages of Scripture where um, 
it's in, it's in the book of Isaiah, and it's repeated in the New Testament of how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Yes. And there's just something about the fact that uh, how will people know if the word is not spoken to them or preached to them? Mm-hmm. It's like, you, so you, you got to go and say it. So yes. each one of us is an ambassador of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. has his presence in us by the Spirit. And so we have this representative presence and delegated authority as Jesus's disciple, as his follower, to be faithful in those moments, to be his herald, the one who mm. proclaims his truth. Yes. But the often the, the the conduit by which that happens is the relational trust that gets developed. Yes. Through activities or through relationships or through vocation or through being a coworker or a neighbor, and it's like sometimes it's hours or sometimes it's years. Yeah, absolutely. For God to be able to work out that trust. Yeah. And I'll add, and this is very important because of my personality, which can be very loud and forward and opinionated. None <laughs> of my nine years of groundwork with Graham was uh, my love for him was not contingent on him receiving the Lord that I love and serve. Yeah. Uh, I loved him as an image bearer, and I want to pour uh, every from was a little third grader who had to hide behind his mom at our Jingle Jam Christmas party, yeah. all the way through when he was my ultimate club, and uh, and he never was a student leader, never did a solo in our Juggle Jam. He did go to on a couple of trips, and I did have a, a pretty good rapport with him, but the point was... I didn't have to see my love for him, my enthusiasm for him as contingent on whether or not he agreed with me. Yeah. And that's and, and also with Lisa, his mom, uh, I never had to tell her uh, my my full-throated opinion about uh, different choices in life. I just had to say, nope, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love your son. And then the opportunity came. And you know what? Hundreds of times, the opportunity doesn't come. It's yeah. the idea of spreading the seed broadly, see what takes, and trust God to cause the growth. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's fantastic. Thanks for having this conversation, Paul. Uh, Stay tuned, folks, for some other uh, things coming forward as we talk about Disciple by Doing. And uh, I'm excited for, for what the future holds here. Yes. Well, we're grateful for the ability to banter and riff like we are. We hope that you're having similar conversations in your home, how to disciple by doing, how to trust the Lord with scattering the seeds broadly, trusting God for the growth, and waiting for the next episode, meanwhile, for developing roots, deepening roots, and growing branches here at New Life Evangelical Free Church. What?